0: So, Dave, how come you write about death so much? Not only really death, it's it's more about awareness, you know? I mean, because without death, life would be meaningless, don't you think? I mean, life, death, sex, it's pretty happening to me, you know? Yeah. What else okay. is there? Beer, maybe? Beer. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, look at us. We're back. We're recording. Yeah. A-Side's yeah, like a motherfucker. <laughs> All new episode. Here we is. Rocky like a hurricane. I don't really know why I'm just babbling a bunch of shit. Maybe I don't need this coffee. <laughs> How you doing, Andrew? I'm doing great, man. It feels like it's been a while since we've done this. Like I know. A... Well, because we had the idea to do this specific episode, and then shit happened whatever i got sick I'll just throw it out there the old covid bug hit the hit the Stortsum household so uh the good news is my kids were practically unaffected by it took me down like i was a bitch and uh was pretty much couldn't mm-hmm. get off the couch for 10 days so i don't know not to sound cheesy but i just feel really fucking good to feel normal mm-hmm. you know so the cough still kind of lingers so if i'm I cough a little bit or clear my throat or something. I mean, I'm like a week on the other side of the quarantine. Yeah, I can day. tell you were a little bit hoarse. But yeah, it of. took a toll on my fucking throat for sure. Because the cough was probably the worst part. Like, that's the backstory as to why it's been a while. So, so today we're drinking some of this coffee. You want to tell the fine folks listening about this?
1: Yeah. So, well, we got a. Um, like, maybe introduce the episode, that which ties in, because yeah. you actually had a good idea uh, talking specifically about Thrash in 1986, because there's some huge albums that came out that year, and one of them being a Megadeth album, so since we already had the Megadeth beer, I was like, well, there's Megadeth-related coffee, the Ellefson coffee, so that's what we're sipping on.
0: Hell yeah. So we're going to get all kinds of wired and squirrely and... This might end up being like a three-hour episode, you know, maybe four. Maybe just, it might have to be a six-part episode because we'll just babble so Mm -hmm. fucking much after we get all this caffeine going. Mm. Yeah, but the idea for the thrash albums of 1986, I don't remember where that idea came to me. I remember texting you, I think, about it. Just because I thought, wow, that'd be actually a really cool topic rather than we always seem to be like, band-specific, and ranking albums, and blah, 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 and I just thought, like, you know, a lot of people, like, kind of consider 1986, like, the year of thrash, because there were so many fucking albums that came out. Now, I'm sure that, like, my opinions, and yours, versus somebody who's, like, that hardcore thrash metalhead guy, like, that's all he fucking listened to, and eat, breathe, and sleep that shit. Like, our opinions are probably going to be quite a bit different.
1: Yeah, you know? true. But, um, um, yeah, so that will, like, something I was going to throw out there. I'm probably the least uh, uh, thrashy metal guy. Like, I love metal, but I, like, I don't know, like, maybe I'm on the fringe or something. Right. I just dip my toes in there. So I'm going to have a totally different perspective. But that's good, right? Having different well, yeah. perspectives. I mean, look, man, I can't
0: really sit there and claim to be some fucking hardcore thrash guy when it comes to this era. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was five when, you know, in 1986, dude, I was Mm -hmm. starting kindergarten, like, you know, so it's not like I was walking around with my fucking, like, patches all over my jacket (laughs) and shit, like, you know, but I've always liked, like, thrash when it comes to metal. I will say it's probably one of my favorite genres because, well, it's... Probably as heavy as I get, I should say. And, like, Thrash kind of, like, originated. You know, it kind of spawned from, like, Motorhead. Yeah. And, you know, really just the new, what they call it, the new wave British heavy metal. Like, all that Iron Maiden or Judas Priest or all those bands that kind of started off and then there was, like, punk coming up at the same time. All these hardcore punk bands and stuff. And I think that... Like, thrash was kind of the blend of all those elements. You know, bands, musicians that were influenced by both New Wave of British Heavy Metal and <clears throat> the the punk scene. And a lot of people kind of consider Motorhead to be thrash, but I don't think they're so much thrash, but I think that they're definitely, like, they almost kind of unintentionally invented it you know what i mean Yeah. like i don't really lump them in with thrash just because i think i guess a lot of times like if the band that pretty much fucking invented it like i just don't lump them in with it sometimes with that category or whatever but you know i think like overkill when that came out and when filthy animal taylor fucking the opening of that song he k- kicks into that double yeah. bass thing I think that just almost was like the invention of thrash right there. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like it just kind of.
1: Yeah, because I got it running through my head right now.
0: Yeah, it just kind of was like. That was when it was invented, even though nobody knew what the fuck it was yet. You know what I mean? And then obviously, like that crossed with a lot of these other really faster punk bands and shit. I think that that just kind of. Then, like, Venom came out. Venom was, like, another kind of early, like, I don't think they're really thrash, but they kind of are, but they were almost kind of before it. So, and I don't know. I guess, like, all the hardcore metal guys, like that Sam Dunn dude that does all those documentaries and shit, like, he could probably really break it down and be like, well, but technically... Like, they might say, like, well, technically thrash is just... All the stuff that came from the Bay Area, right? Like the yeah, um, all those bands like Exodus and stuff back in the in Testament and whatever back in the early '80s. Yeah, because it's
1: funny you mentioned that because I remembered there was that metal evolution where there were different like hour long episodes of like genre specific stuff, and I wanted to go back and watch that, but I did watch something else the other night because going along with what you said, how you were five. In 86, I wanted to ask your age because I was only two. I was born in 84. And uh, so to get myself into that mentality, like I watched a documentary like Thursday. It's called Murder uh, in the Front Row. And it's all about that Bay Area. Hmm. i have to check it out because I've never heard of that one. Yeah. It was kind of interesting because. Uh, they're, I really get in the history of Metallica, but then Slayer and Megadeth. So I guess the big four bands, but then you've got other people that are talking who were friends of the bands at the time. And I think that Brian Passane he like narrated it. Hmm. So it was kind of interesting
0: to watch it. Yeah, I'll have to find that one and check it out. Is it on YouTube or something, or did you just find it on that?
1: Um, I just... Uh... I um, looked on a couple streaming sites, but I just went to Amazon and clicked, like, rent for, like, four bucks or something. So you got, like, two days to watch it. So I just...
0: Yeah, I'll check it out. It sounds cool. I always like watching all those documentaries. And, I mean, even though, like, a lot of these bands I'm not necessarily that into, but... Yeah. It's, like, that genre or subgenre, whatever the fuck you want to call it, thrash. It's kind of... I don't know. It's always intriguing just to watch the documentaries on the different bands and stuff. And I mean, I don't like like the Norwegian black metal or any of that shit. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I've watched some documentaries on it. And it's just really, that stuff too is really, I don't know, man. Like, it's just interesting, yeah. <laughs> you know? But the thrash scene, I mean, that stuff, I actually dig a lot of it, you know? But then like a lot of it too was maybe too much. You know, I was kind of going through and listening to a lot of stuff that came out in 1986 just because of the three we talked about focusing on. <clears throat> I obviously, was familiar with enough. Um, yeah, but, you so know, you were kind of trying to put yourself back in, like, 86. Yeah, I was too, trying because... to put my mind, yeah, I kind of do the same thing, put my mind in it and listen to some of the stuff. Some that I had listened to, some that I hadn't, you know, um... Is there anything that stood out? Yeah, I mean, there was some stuff that, like, stood out in the sense that I don't know why these albums are revered like they are. Like, (laughs) Creator, Pleasure to Kill, that's kind of one of the big ones that came out. I mean, not big, like, not Metallica, Master of Puppets big. Yeah. But, I mean, it's one that they kind of hail as a great thrash record. And that's one where I listen to it and kind of just go, "I I don't get it. I mean... I think that people think highly of that one because it just was so fucking fast. You know what I mean? So it was like, at that time when all this stuff was coming out, like, I can't relate because I was fucking five, but maybe if I heard it all back when it was coming out, I was, like, in the thrash scene, I would be like, yeah, that's so fucking cool because it's so fucking fast, (laughs) you know? And that's just all maybe they were trying to do at the time was... Let's just fucking outdo each other. Let's yeah. just who's the next fastest fucking thing. <laughs> you know, I don't know, but you, I mean, listening to that album, I kind of was like, ah, eh, doesn't do anything for me. Just sounds like a band trying to intentionally play as fast as they can, and the vocals were kind of like, oh, I'm gonna try to sound like Dave Mustaine, but even like grosser, and so I, I don't know wasn't one that I thought was cool. Destruction their album Eternal Devastation. I felt like that was kind of the same way like uh for being one that's kind of hailed as a great thrash record. I'm not feeling it. But two that I really did like and you know, I think like I know I've heard Metal Church before and I've heard the album The Dark before. But <coughs> I hadn't really like gotten into them they're not like a band i listen to regularly and you know so i gave that album a listen again and i was like man this one actually has really good songs so if you want to listen to a thrash record that came out in 1986 it's maybe one that you hadn't heard that kind of flies under the radar a little bit um i think metal church the dark and i thought dark angels darkness descends that album was pretty (laughs) solid too those were two that I thought were really good that when I listened to them, I thought, man, I maybe need to, you know, listen to these more, put more focus on it. Like maybe they deserve more credit than what they get. Although they get credit if you're talking just within thrash, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're albums that people hail as a great thrash record. So I would say like those two live up to that. The Creator and Destruction album, not so much for me. Um, And then a couple bands that had albums that came out then too that um, I was thinking about Sepultura and Voivod. And they actually have stuff later on that I dig, but like, kind of like they each have like Sepultura's Morbid Visions. It's an early kind of rougher sounding record and they're more thrashy than like, you know, Chaos AD or Roots. And I really like Roots, man. I think that's a great mm. record, you know. Like if I feel like just fucking screaming or something. <laughs> listening to something I can just yell along with, you know, Roots, bloody Roots. I can <laughs> jam to that shit all the time. But listening to like their early stuff when they were thrashier, I, I mean, I don't hate it, but it's not really... It's not them at their best,
1: yeah.
0: you know. They, I think, they evolved. Unlike another band we'll talk about, but <laughs> they <laughs> they evolved into something better for them. Whereas, you know, some bands, it's like they evolved away from the thrash thing, and I don't think it was in their best interest. Even if, hmm. even if commercially, it might have worked out for them in their bank accounts. But well, that might be interesting then to talk about because
1: I'm kind of a. I think I know where you're going with that. Yeah.
0: Oh, but first, isn't... I mean, it was pretty... Yeah. I'm th- I feel like I'm being pretty blunt. Like, I'm not really yeah. being that vague.
1: <laughs> isn't Metal Church, though... Like, you mentioned them. Isn't that... Um, is that John Bush that was then later in Anthrax? That was his band, right? Or am I thinking... Armored his, Saint uh, was... Armored Saint. John right. Bush. See, yeah. like, maybe I'll just cut that out. <laughs> Why? Because you were wrong? <laughs> yeah. I probably gonna be, I probably already was wrong
0: six times. Yeah. Don't even, I wouldn't worry about it, being wrong. Yeah.
1: I know I saw Metal Church, though. I was thinking of that. Because they opened up for um, Megadeth on one like tour. Oh, really? Yeah, like, the last time I saw them, it was like Metal Church opened. And they actually had Suicidal Tendencies, who I'd never seen oh, before. Wow. But I thought they were hilarious. And then I think it was Amon Amarth. And I'd only heard oh, them yeah. in name. But they had a huge Viking ship on the stage, which was cool. And mm-hmm. then Megadeth was on.
0: Hmm. So I was like... That'd be an interesting show. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it was.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like, you know, I've only heard like maybe two or three Metal Church albums anyhow. And, you know, it's kind of one of those where when I revisited them and listened to that album, The Dark, I thought, man, this is, you know, there's good songs on there. Like, I don't know why I don't own this. Maybe I need to buy this on vinyl and, you know. And, yeah, so... You know, Um, another one that I was going to just bring up was, and I don't consider it a thrash album, so uh, King Diamond's Fatal Portrait. Because, like, Merciful Fate was kind of more thrash, I think. But I feel like the King Diamond stuff, it kind of still was, but it kind of goes more in, like, a power metal kind of thing. It's kind of more operatic. and I mean, his singing, obviously, always kind of has that thing but so yeah i wasn't gonna spend too much time debating it or anything but and i don't know how familiar yeah. you are with that album i love it it's my favorite king diamond solo album although i prefer the merciful fate stuff um it's
1: got the lady face with like the fire around it's face. a really awesome yeah.
0: album cover it's a fucking amazing album cover um and i and i really like the album but you know I guess my my question was, is Fatal Portrait a thrash record, or is it more... See, I was wondering to that, me, too. To me, I would call it more yeah. power metal. I don't feel like it's a thrash record, but...
1: I think, like you said, because his vocals put it in another category. Yeah.
0: Even, but, like, Merciful Fate, like, that's still kind of, It's like... still kind of power metal. But yeah. the guitar playing and stuff, I feel like, on those first few Merciful Fate albums, were more thrash. You, you know? know, like, they had a little bit more of that... Punky, spontaneous kind of feel to it, you know? So, I don't know. Felt like having the discussion about that, but, um, you know, yeah. And the Venom live album, I incline knock music. <laughs> I'm pronouncing that right, I assume. That's a cool live album. Um, I got that on vinyl over there. We can crank that up later and worship Satan on a Sunday. Yeah. But,. That's no, I just felt like that was one worth mentioning just because it's a cool album and yeah, so my picks. The stray from the three albums that we were really set out to talk about today, I mm-hmm. guess. I would say Dark Angels, Darkness Descends, Metal Church, The Dark, and then you know, throw in the Live Venom album just for fucking yeah something a little extra. Those are my picks for 1986. Other than the other three. Yeah. but So, I don't know. I don't know if you got that far into it and started talking about I something.
1: didn't. I just watched the documentary. I guess I didn't explore other stuff musically. I just... So, with the with the big three we're going to talk about, do you want to go in order by the um, release date? Because I wrote that down. Like, thought we could go that way through the year instead of just like...
0: Yeah, we can. All right. I didn't think that much into it. Oh, really? I mean, I don't know the release date specifically, but Uh, maybe I accidentally wrote them in order, and it'll be a pleasant surprise. All right. So what came out first in 1986?
1: First up in 1986 was on March 3rd, you had the release of Master of Puppets from Metallica. Fucking right. So it's kind of interesting. Their third album came out March 3rd. What kind of
0: synergy is that? Third album on the third month of the third day. Yeah. Three three days. three <laughs> three 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 The number of the puppets <laughs> I love Master of Puppets I it's one Metallica album that I don't think I can drum up anything negative to say about it. Yeah. I mean it's really I don't know if it's the perfect thrash record. See it's weird because I was thinking about this today and like hmm. even though Like, these are considered thrash albums, and obviously this was when Metallica was still kind of thrash, but I think they were already straying away from the thrash roots. Ooh, you stole my argument almost. (laughs) Uh, Well, you can go ahead. Yeah. So it would be... But they did, because, like, really, like, you know, one of the no-nos in thrash is ballads. Like, You know what I mean? (laughs) And Sanitarium was already kind of a ballad. It was cool. It was dark. So it was like okay that it was on there, you yeah. know. Unlike fast forward to like the black album where they put nothing else matters on there, and I think people were probably like, "What the fuck," you know. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I this and ride the lightning
1: mm-hmm.
0: to me are the two perfect metallic albums. You're not. I don't know which one I like better. Like, right now, probably just because I've listened to it more recently, I would say Master of Puppets, but catch me, like, two weeks from now, Mm. and I might be like, "Nah, man, Ride the Lightning's better, you know?
1: I feel the same way, because it's... Anytime I was trying to think of something with Master, I was going back to Ride, they're almost, like, (laughs) the same kind of, like, part one and a part two or something. Do you think that way? Because I feel like maybe Ride uh, was, like, a blueprint, and Master, they just kind of built on that, so...
0: Yeah, I mean they're both great records. Master of Puppets has one of the best fucking album openers from that whole era. Yeah. I mean, Battery is just still one of my favorite Metallica songs. Like, I hear it and you know you want to punch a hole in the fucking wall or something. Or put your <laughs> head through a fucking door. I don't know. I mean, that is just such a cool the intro, and then when it kicks in, it's just it's just the perfect album opener. And then, like, Master of Puppets, the you know, the title track, it's just, that's still such an epic masterpiece. Like, I think sometimes I take for granted how great of a fucking song that is. Because now it's, like, a greatest hit. Now yeah. you'll hear it on the radio. Now you'll hear it everywhere. You've heard it a million fucking times. Yeah, or hear it in a bar sometimes, too, yeah, with band you know? playing it. Yeah, so now it's, like, it's maybe become watered down in my mind. But then you go back and like the other night I put the fucking record on the turntable and kind of put myself back in that space of listening to it and appreciating yeah. the record for what it is front to back. And it was like, man, that is such a great fucking song. Like all the parts to it and everything and the whole breakdown in the middle and just, I was like, man, in my mind I feel like I've watered this down to where I've made it almost just like some overexposed radio song you know but then mm. like kind of like when we were like talking about the episode with favorite debut albums you know and it probably just seems silly to some people because i put like the first boston album on my list and a lot of people are probably like jesus christ man i could give a fuck <laughs> if i ever hear more than a feeling again it's like yeah you say that but then like drop the needle on the turntable and fucking sit down in front of that record and by the time oh, yeah. you're done with it you're like Jesus Christ, that is a really great fucking record front to back, you know? And that's how I felt with this. Like, I threw it on and was like, God damn, dude. And it just was so... I don't know. It probably sounds stupid, because people listening are going to be like, Jesus Christ, has this dickhead never listened to Master of Puppets before? (laughs) And it's like, no, but I have, like, a million times. Like, I've heard it too many fucking times. Yeah. To where, like, when it's just on in the background, I'm like, ah, fuck this song again, but... Then you sit down and really crank it up and really listen to it, and you're like, fuck, I forgot how goddamn great this is. This is a really goddamn great song. Great arrangement, catchy as fuck. Every goddamn riff that's in that, like, you could sing along with it. It's just fucking genius. (laughs) That ain't even my favorite song on the fucking album. (laughs) I got that much to say about that.
1: So what is your favorite song on the album, then? Because I'm curious now.
0: Probably... And because it's probably one of my favorite Metallica songs ever, Leopard Messiah. I think that that song is just so fucking just Metallica. Like, when I hear that song every time, I'm like, every fucking song needs to be like this. You know? Or like, The Thing That Should Not Be is another one that one's just heavy. Like, something about like just how it kind of goes to the clean guitar, he sings a line, and then, jin jin jin, you know. (laughs) And then back to the clean guitar, sing a line. I feel like they almost invented that whole thing where it's like, mellow, sing, and then the chorus hits, and boom, it's heavy. Not so much with this song. This song's kind of different because it's like, sing a line, heavy, sing a line, heavy. But, you know, some of their other songs, they kind of... I don't know if you remember like back in like the 90s late 90s probably early 2000s I'd say if my brain is working correctly which it might not be but it seemed like every fucking metal band that had a hit and not even just their hits half their songs in general would be like a clean verse and then the chorus comes in and it's like you know <laughs> and then singing all pretty during the verses and then you know I yeah. feel like Metallica kind of they kind of set the you know fucking blueprint for that with a lot of the earlier stuff I mean especially just like like one on And Justice for All like you yeah. can have something that goes from being melodic and slow and then just boom heavy as fuck you know so yeah. but it was cool then Cause it wasn't so overdone to where you're just used to fucking. It wasn't a formula. Yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know why I just ventured off into that because really the thing that should not be seems like it's, you know, it's that, but different. (laughs) I don't know. It's just, (laughs) it's cool the way that that, that verse works. I'm hearing it in my head and I can't really convey it for some fucking reason, but, uh, And then, you know, Disposable Heroes, I feel like that song on that album is probably like their most quote-unquote thrash song on that album. I mean, like we were already kind of saying, like, I feel like this album, and even Ride the Lightning, like, there were already elements of them going away from thrash. But Mm -hmm. I guess people let them get by with it because they hadn't completely sold out yet. I don't know, but, you know. Hmm. Which, if selling out is cash and a paycheck, then, yeah. I mean, I get it, you know, but a lot of people hated him for the Black album. So, and personally, me, like, I don't even really like And Justice for All that much. Hmm. I know a lot of people love that fucking album, regardless of the production and the lack of the bass, and, which, you know, it was no big deal to me. I mean, I, it's weird. Sometimes listening to it is kind of distracting, like, oh yeah, there's no fucking bass. But... There's cool songs on that, but I don't know. There's And Justice for All was more like about the arrangements, I think. Like the arrangements are really cool. But these like Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets, it was like songwriting. Like they had the arrangements and the arrangements were really cool and the fucking songwriting was really great. Like you can just hear every goddamn song off of Master of Puppets in your head. Like you say the title and it's like. Yeah, because that's what everything you're saying is just.
1: Pff, yeah. Uh, yep. One cool thing, though, talking about um uh, Metallica in 86 was I didn't realize it, or I, obviously because we're single digit ages, but finding this out years later was they opened up for Ozzy in 86. Oh, uh, okay. I think, I think they played here, like in Peoria, too. Because my uncle had said that's when I found out about it was I was visiting my uncle a couple of years ago in like Phoenix and we were talking about concerts and stuff. And he's, he said he saw um, um, Ozzy a bunch of times. So I went to that set list website and was trying to go through to look up specific like, you know, because back then they'll have the tour dates, but they won't have the set list or whatever. It's only more modern um, shows where it's kind of complete. Or whatever. So then I went and Googled it, like the um Ultimate Sin tour. And that's when I found out Metallica opened up for him and he goes, I wouldn't even had a clue who who they were in eighty six. He's like, I was like fresh out of high school and probably drinking the whole show and wouldn't even (laughs) have been able to tell you who um opened. And I'm like, Man, you would have saw Metallica then, like in their infancy or whatever. Infancy? Infancy. I can't even talk now. i so jittery man. from the coffee. I'm already yeah. done.
0: Damn. But, it is really good coffee, too. So not that Dave is listening, but yeah. good work on the coffee, because it is really good coffee. I, I enjoy a good, nice-tasting cup of coffee. Yeah.
1: Here, but, here was something with, like with Metallica. I don't know if this is a dumb thought, but you are almost kind of going along the lines of what I kind of – Had, maybe you're going more the sellout thing. But this is what I thought yesterday. I had this, like, I had to work a whole eight-hour shift yesterday, so I listened to basically Metallica just... I listened to Master of Puppets like a good three or four times all the way through, then went to Slayer, then went to Megadeth. And uh, so all I was doing was absorbing these albums one last time, and I thought, I don't think Metallica ever sold out because they were never a thrash band anyways.
0: So kinda of like what I yeah, what we were already
1: touching. Yeah, them. so I don't know if
0: I think anybody's screaming
1: at me, but I came up with a whole uh whole bunch of bullet points to prove my oh. little thing.
0: But well you can proceed.
1: Oh well I was gonna say that here's one thing that we were uh talking about is like you were kind of saying Ride and like Master aren't totally thrashy because they've got all these different arrangements. It's like they've only got the one thrash album, which is their first album, right? So,
0: yeah, no, I agree that Kill 'Em All is probably the only one that front to back is like pretty much straightforward thrash. Mm. So, I mean, in a lot of ways, like yeah, if you're looking back on it now, I feel like. Like, back then, I feel like people that were, like, just strictly thrash and metal, like, these yeah. hardcore underground kids that think they own this, right? Like, yeah. Man, this is our scene. Yeah. Like, <laughs> when you, you know, you get bummed out, like, when a band that you thought that, like, you and your friends were the only ones that were really into them, and the next thing you know, it's like, fuck, now all the jocks listen to them.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, and it kind of ruins it for you. I think that that's what happened was, you know, back then it's like now all of a sudden Enter Sandman and Unforgiven and, you know, nothing else matters. It's all over MTV. So then, like, all your fucking jocks and yuppies that just listen to all the watered-down MTV, whatever MTV fucking spoon-feeds them. So all these people that were loyal Metallica fans for all those years just felt fucked, you know, like... Man, they took this away mm-hmm. from me, and then they're kind of pissed off because they lost yeah. their thing. But, I mean, yeah, if you really look at it, like, in retrospect now, they were already progressively introducing other elements yeah. in, to their shit that wasn't just, like, straightforward thrash. I just think that no one said, oh, that's not thrash until... You know, the Black Album happened and yeah. all that MTV exposure. And then I think that that's just what caused everybody to be like, oh, what the fuck, they sold out. Now they're not a thrash yeah. band anymore. But like you're saying, like there was already, like you listen to these now and, you know, not to jump ahead, but like Rain and Blood front to back is like a fucking thrash record. Oh, yeah. Like if there's a sure. record that yeah. thrashes... It just pretty much like punches you in the face and then just proceeds to slit your throat over and over <laughs> again. Like, that's the album. But, yeah. you know.
1: Um, yeah, because this is one thing that, um, speaking of Kill 'em All, is I wanted um, your opinion. Well, obviously, we're going to talk about this guy anyways. But I feel like how you could say maybe Kill 'em All is a thrash album because Dave Mustaine's name is basically all over that album. Like, Half right. the credits are his, so I think that he might have had more influence over that, whereas then you've got Kirk Hammett and Cliff. I think Cliff was, like, he did a lot for the first album, but it's more those two I guys coming them, in, so yeah. right is more, um, I guess, them coming into the band.
0: Yeah. I mean, Kill Em All, I think, was, like, written with other... Dave, a different bass player. Yeah. A lot of those songs were you know, had been around for a long time. And I think, like, Lars was such a fanboy of so many bands, and especially, like, Motorhead and uh, just a lot of other bands, a lot of other, like, British bands and stuff that, like, a lot of people weren't into. So I think that, like, yeah, like, in the early days, it was probably just, like, heavily influenced by that stuff to where... They were showing, like, wearing their influences on their sleeve pretty pretty heavy, you know. And, you know, then after that, you get a real... You become a real band. You get all the elements in there after yeah. they toured on the first record and whatnot, and, you know.
1: Yeah, because that's kind of something else I thought, too, is you kind of are already going in that direction, like... How you said Lars is a fanboy of stuff, I kind of thought too. I was like, they had a lot of other, like that diamond head. If you go... Oh, yeah. Even at that garage. Because they played like, so many They've covers. got so many covers of yeah. them that I feel like they're maybe more in that style than they are straight like uh, thrashy. They just expanded beyond the um, limitations of the uh, genre,
0: right? I guess. Yeah, I mean, some people I just think want to stay pure to what they just started doing, right? Yeah. Like, it's, you're selling out if you change at all. I don't believe that, but, you know, there's some bands that I'm a fan of that, like, I really love the stuff yeah. that they expanded into doing different kind of things and whatnot. But then uh, there's some bands that just stayed the fucking course the whole time, like Motorhead or... You know, ACDC. And they're fucking great for doing that, you know. But then there's some bands that I feel like, like Anthrax. I wish Anthrax had an album that came out in 86. They were like straddling it, you know, with an album (laughs) before and
1: after. Yeah, because it wasn't like Among the Living. That was like 87. Yeah, and I feel
0: like that would be a great uh, album to talk about but i don't know maybe we'll have to do a 1987 episode but or we could hit it anyways they got but, like
1: a reissue coming out of that soon i think oh, with like yeah. a comic
0: book tied into it so yeah that's a great album and I, and anthrax is kind of one of those bands where man i really wholeheartedly think that they're the one band that got better with time i don't know how the fuck they did it it's like somehow
1: it was the persistence of time.
0: They, they <laughs> there just, you go. It, it paid off. But <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. That was a really good one. Thank you.
1: But yeah, no, I mean, I
0: really, they're that rare fucking band where I swear to God, and I loved the John Bush era stuff. Like, when John Bush was in the band, I And never, he's Armored
1: Saint, for armored those saint, paying yeah. attention.
0: I never wanted them to go back to Joey. I was like, when he got back in the band, I was like, ah, fuck, really? I didn't want him back in the band. I thought the shit was just getting better and better with John Bush. So I was like, why the fuck, why fuck that up? I mean, I know why they did it, but, you know, you get, they were, I mean, dude, I saw them play in Peoria to to like maybe 300 people. It was fucking crazy how few people were there. And so, I mean, they did it because, okay, now you get your classic lineup, you start... Festivals and stuff more, and blah blah blah, or whatever. So,
1: yeah, because it's probably along the same lines of uh, around that time, right? Like, Iron Maiden had Bruce Dickinson back with them, then Rob Halford came back to Judas Priest. Right, like, well, we might as well get our singer back too. And well, and the kicker is, dude, like, as
0: much as I was a naysayer to it, like, those two albums they've put out, um, Worship Music and For All Kings, two of their best fucking albums ever i mean i put those up there with among the living or yeah. any of the john bush stuff i mean it's almost like the best of both worlds because you get like the old school yeah. anthrax sound or vibe but with the new school heavier shit that they were kind of doing yeah. with john bush i don't know man i mean whatever we're not really talking about them today but like it's pretty obvious that i have a high opinion of anthrax and wish that we were talking about them today. So you'll have
1: to circle back for another episode. Yeah, there we we'll go. figure
0: out a way to talk about them. But so, what came next chronologically in 1986?
1: So, September 19th, 1986, that was Megadeth. They released our second album, uh, Peace Sells, but who's buying? Not me.
0: I'm not buying peace, that is.
1: <laughs> what do you mean you're broke?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Peace Sells great album not really my favorite I mean I shouldn't say well like we know what one is it's up there yeah we the already book. like did the Megadeth episode I guess but yeah I mean this isn't one that I I don't know how to say it like I really like this album a lot cause to me pretty much everything through Countdown was a great fucking Megadeth mm. album but but it's just not one that i get too excited to talk about i guess hmm. like i like it a lot it's weird i guess just because so far so good so what is so fucking good to me and like <laughs> i really and i really like the debut a lot killing is but is yeah. my business and you, you know i'm going to be honest with you like i don't exactly remember where i ranked this you know back when we did the Megadeth episode yeah. like I mighta I don't know where I ranked it it's just, I can't
1: remember either, but I know I have like my two that were higher, like Countdown and yeah. euthanasia,
0: and then I had this one, so this would have been like my third I mean Devil's Island is a really great song, the title track is a really great song. It is funny though, how like you like the two surrounding this one, but I like this one
1: more. Um than those two. So we are the opposite. And I think those two are thrashier
0: too. I think that they would make like Killing is my business is very thrashy, almost like it was like I think maybe we've touched on this before, but like Dave was trying to out play and out thrash Metallica. Yeah. He was like, I'm gonna take everything I did with Metallica. I'm gonna go faster I'm gonna go fucking I'm gonna make, faster yeah. and yeah, and it's gonna be more aggressive. And, you know, he did it. And I think Killing Is My Business is a great, great, great album. I think it's a great thrash record. I think it just lives up to that. You know, this one's kind of weird because it does kind of have, like, I Ain't Superstitious is like a really bluesy.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) I think that's a cool highlight track because it's so different, you know. And then even, like, Peace Cells" is kind of, I don't know, it's not a thrash song. Yeah, it's not. It's almost like their pop. It's probably their poppiest song ever. I mean, short of anything maybe that they did later like "Crush 'Em," where they were like Yeah. Is that what it was called, Crushum? Yeah. yeah. Where they're like Crushum from Risk, Intentionally yeah. trying to like write a fucking pop song, but <clears throat> Yeah, man, I you know, this is a solid record. I could put it on any day of the week and I could listen to it and enjoy it. But for some reason, it's just the one where, like, I always feel like I have the least to say about it. Hmm. I don't get super worked up about any of the songs, you know. I think <laughs> "Devil's Island" is a fucking awesome yeah. song. And I think "Peace sells" is a great song. Like I said, but I know.
1: guess I think a little bit of the opposite. But how you said that—that's like a, maybe a pop song or like commercial. I think that that "Peace sells" like that song is basically to me Megadeth in a nutshell. Or something like, or if I was gonna introduce like Megadeth to somebody, that would be the one song because it's got the snarling Dave Mustaine.
0: Yeah, the lyrics are,
1: it's got the killer bass, it's got like, and it's like political, which kind of goes with his kind of style too. So it's kind of got everything about Megadeth in that song.
0: Yeah, he's such a sarcastic, fucking pessimistic, just Mm. yeah. I know what you mean. It's got all of his like wit and his humor and then his hatred. You <laughs> know, I don't know. It's yeah. like it is kind of everything just wrapped up. It's Dave in a nutshell. Yeah.
1: And here's what's funny though is I didn't I didn't buy it, but every band's got greatest hits and like compilations and shit, but I think like a year or two ago they put out something called Warheads on Foreheads, which was supposed to be more of a comprehensive thing and they had like at least like two songs from every album. Yeah. And I think they had four songs from Peace Cells, but yet they didn't have the actual Peace Cells song. It's not on there. Oh it's really? like how can you put out a hits package and not have that song? It's That's like, pretty bizarre. Yeah, it is. It'd be like Inner Sandman or something. Not so being what on. did they
0: have? They had four songs from this. Yeah. So yeah. Devil's Island, obviously.
1: Yeah. I think they had Devil's Island. Uh, what's the... F-
0: the opening track. Uh, yeah. The Conjuring, maybe.
1: Yeah. I think they had that and like Good Morning Black Friday. I know specifically they had four because I looked back at it yesterday just to confirm that, but I guess I didn't actually go the step further and write down the four. But
0: Wow. That's bizarre. Yeah. To me, that's like their, I mean, top five, like, obvious hits. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm probably going to put, like, Hanger 18, Peace Cells, uh, Sweating Bullets, Symphony of Destruction, and uh, Trust. Yeah. You know, just as far as, like, just naming, like, top five
1: or even every concert. It's like Peace Sells is like...
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like... It's like they're not cool going to not
1: play that at a show, yeah. so why would you not
0: put that on a hits album? This is super <laughs> fucking bizarre, man. Like, I almost feel like you're lying to me. I'm no, I'm not. I'm not, not going to look it up to fact no. check you. Yeah, I believe yeah. you, but it's just like one of those things. It's almost like being like, yeah, hey, there's a new Motley Crue greatest hits and Dr. Feelgood's not on it. <laughs> you know, or Home Sweet Home. They just left Home Sweet Home off of there. Just for the I, sake I, of being ironic or something? I mean, I yeah. don't know.
1: It reminds me of something. This guy that I used to hang out with like 10 years ago, his name was like Mark. He said something. He saw that what Don McLean on the riverfront, and he refused to play American Pie. But it's like, that's the one song. Yeah, that like, that's that guy's one
0: song. And it's he's like, like what everybody showed up. Yeah, yeah. he's like... Well, can it's can you... probably because that song's like 10 fucking minutes long. He probably can't remember. <laughs> yeah. I mean, could you imagine having to play that song and remember all the words? Yeah. That shit, like... Or Kiss, not playing
1: rock and roll all night. How can they not play that? Um, Here, I pulled it up. They have The Conjuring, Wake Up Dead. That was the um, opening track of Devil's Island, Good Morning Black Friday. And then they go right on to set the world on fire in in my darkest hour from the next album. No key cells on there at all. It's like, and then they've even got like what four or five songs? they got like half half
0: a <laughs> half, half a rust rust piece, piece yeah. I guess
1: they needed room for that, or something
0: well, and you know people I don't know people revere that as their greatest album ever, so maybe that's they were trying to please the fans yeah. and just make sure they had room for that. I don't fucking know that's weird, yeah, it's because why like try to be different on a hits package? Because like any of your hardcore fans have all of your albums. Yeah. Like I don't give two fucks about greatest hits packages. Unless I don't really like your band and I just really like two songs and they're from two totally different albums and then like that's really all I want. Yeah. And all I give a shit about. And most bands like that now, like, I don't listen I don't buy their music, you know, because now you don't have to, you know, you could just get on your little music app or whatever and listen to the one or two songs you like and move on. So I don't have to feel bad. (laughs) I can just, you know, not buy their shit at all instead of wasting my money on a greatest hits CD so that you only have to. That's the one thing that's actually nice about the digital age is not having to, like, buy a fucking CD just for, like, two songs. Like, if you...
1: Yeah, because they used to, yeah, have the greatest hits, and then they'd throw in, like, one... uh, a song, so they knew the hardcore fans would buy it because yeah. oh man, we're gonna get this Japanese like import yeah. song
0: or something, yep. or just a brand new song or whatever. Yeah, you'll buy it just for that. But yeah. yeah, I mean, and look, I don't, I don't feel bad saying that at all because anybody that's seen my basement and the amount of CDs and records I have, I fucking yeah. paid my dues. I've, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've bought my fucking albums it's like wall to wall. Yeah, like if I want to, just like you know listen to one goddamn song from a band for free, then fuck you. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm all about buying music and stuff, but but hey, I've obviously bought enough music, so kiss my ass if I just decide to rip one shitty band off because they only have two songs I give a fuck about. <laughs> you know, but.
1: All right, man. Well, we know what is next. But just for the listeners paying attention at home, Slayer released their third album, Rain and Blood, on October the 7th, 1986.
0: Fucking Slayer. You gotta introduce it like that.
1: Oh, oh yeah. Slayer! Slayer. Actually, that's how everybody says their band name, I think. You can't.
0: Well, I was, was wrong. You
1: can't just say Slayer like normal. You got to be like Slayer! Yeah, and or you got some scream. bass
0: in your voice. Yeah, and you got to say I got to peek it. out the levels. It's fucking Slayer, yeah. right? Dude, it's such a funny thing because it's kind of like Freebird. People just say Freebird or Slayer. I was kind of like a late bloomer getting into Slayer because I mean, a lot of it was just like their fucking fan base. Like they're just idiots. Like, you know what I mean? Like, most people that I fucking would meet, they'd be like, you listen to Slayer? No. Faggot. Like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Hand over your
1: metal card right now. fucking
0: pussy. It's like, why? Because I don't listen to this one band. I mean, you know, they're an acquired taste, man. I mean, I like them. They took, they were like a long, it was like this long, like, I don't know, almost like a decade-long process of fucking, like, just slowly being exposed to them enough to where, like, I could get into them Mm -hmm. and appreciate their style and everything. But, like, I mean, dude, if you just, like, had never heard that shit before and had never heard anything, like, that heavy before, and somebody just (laughs) fucking puts Angel of Death on, you know... (laughs) And you're, you're just like what shit, the fuck, stuff, man? Yeah, you know, just that opening, scream, yell something, yell something else, death, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> fucking blood, Satan, rip your face apart. I yeah, mean, but that's like every Slayer song. I know, but <laughs> it's like if you somebody throws that shit at you, you just don't fucking know how to take it. Like the first time yeah. you heard it, you know, unless you've like had all this other shit that's similar. That like, yeah. There's just no way to, I don't know, if you can slowly work your way up to Slayer. I mean, I kind of did because probably the best way you could because, I mean, like, there was a time where I can remember hearing Pantera and thinking, I don't know about this. might be too heavy for me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But then, like, a year later, I'm like, fuck no, I'm going and buying Great Southern Trendkill like, the day it came out, you know? <laughs> and uh being really fucking excited about it just from that opening you know it was so fucking heavy and i think if i didn't have like those stepping stones with pantera even though slayer you know was before that i mean pantera's been around i don't even know they've probably been around like around the same time but slayer broke before pantera before Pantera got Phil and kind of, yeah. you know, became the Pantera that we know now and everything. But uh, but for me, I mean, I think Pantera was like the band that got me slowly but surely into appreciating heavier stuff. And But then even then it was like probably a fucking decade later before I could actually listen to Slayer and go, oh, okay, I get it. Like, I didn't really... In fact, I didn't get into Slayer until... Was it 2000 or 2001 when God Hates Us All came out? And That song Disciple, like, it was so fucking heavy and so ridiculous. And then the hook being, you know, God hates us all. And I'm like, that's the most fucking ridiculous chorus I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) But it was fucking awesome. You know what I mean? Like, it was like, so ridiculous... But I fucking loved it, you know. It just made you want to, I don't know, put your head through a door, yeah. like I said earlier. So then, like, that, then I, you know, I backtracked and started getting into the earlier Slayer stuff. And and I can remember p- prior to that, somebody playing me, Rain and Blood, and I just kind of was like, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, I, I guess I'm not quite there yet. In fact, I feel like it was, like, on the way to going to see Megadeth or something, like, a buddy of mine was like, you ever listen to Slayer? And I'm just like, ah, uh, yeah, not really. I think they're too heavy for me. And he put Rain and Blood on, and I'm just like, yeah, I don't know, man.
1: <laughs> you
0: know? <laughs> but then, you know, fast forward years later, 20 years later or whatever, and then, you know, I go and see him live, you know. I'm into him enough to actually pay a big fat ticket prize but you know they are like an acquired taste and even for me now being a fan like i'm not in the mood for slayer every day of my life mm-hmm. you know so and you know we went up to well, what are you
1: poser <laughs> yeah they,
0: well i'm old i think that that's part of it is i'm just too fucking old i think i would have a fucking heart attack or some kind of anxiety issues if I was to listen to Slayer every day yeah. of my life, you know. Wake up in the middle of the night, gold sweat, <laughs> fucking heart racing, like, fuck, I've listened to too much Slayer. Yeah. Ah, fucking losing it. But, you know, I we went and saw uh, the... Uh, uh, the, final that, the final campaign. thing, yeah. yeah. And it was like, it was so funny because I've never... I mean, fuck, I'm only 40, so it's not like I'm that old, but I felt my age because there were like four bands. So it was Mm -hmm. like Phil Anselmo, and I never saw Pantera back in the day, so that was fucking awesome. It was really great to see. Uh, I think Phil's set might have been the one I enjoyed damn near the most Um, come out, just play all Pantera stuff. It was fucking great. And then Ministry, and that was really badass. Um, And he, you know, it was pretty much Psalm 69, mostly just stuff from that record and a couple things before, and that was about it. I mean, um, so that was a really cool set because I don't really like a lot of the newer ministry stuff. They kind of lost me. And then Primus came out, and they were just really fucking awesome. Like, (laughs) I'm not a big Primus fan. I like their stuff. I appreciate it, I should say. But, like, they're so weird that like I can't really like sit and just listen to that band all. The yeah, day. like another acquired
1: taste. Yeah, so it's almost like acquired taste. The tour.
0: Yeah. But it was weird because they were so fucking good live. It was ridiculous. Like, I mean, obviously everybody knows Les Claypool is like a, you know, very highly regarded bass player. The guy is the shit. I mean, he is fucking amazing. But there was something really special about hearing him and seeing him live. Like, it's like a force. It's like a fucking force to be reckoned with, man. Like, he came out, and they just fucking... I'm trying to remember what the fuck they opened with. Maybe those blue-collared tweakers or whatever. (laughs) I think it was that song. I can't fucking remember.
1: I guess everybody... It sounds like everybody kind of stepped up their game. No, it was, dude. It was really badass.
0: To the point where it was like... By the time it was such a long show... And Slayer hits the stage, and it's like, "Fuck, I'm tired." <laughs> and then, like, pretty much, it only took about five songs in into Slayer's set to where it was like, felt like my ass was just handed to me, and I'm just like, "I don't have the energy, man." Like, <laughs> this was real. Like, it was really cool for like five songs, but yeah. then I was kind of like, "Okay, twenty years ago." You know, I could have been like pounding beers and like, ah, rowdy and shit or something. I've never really, I've never really been that type at a show anyhow or anything. Like, I'm just not really that rowdy of a person. But, yeah, so I kind of, I kind of felt like a bitch. Like, I kind of felt like I was just a bitch. Like, I went to see Slayer and. Like halfway through their set, I just kind of was ready for bed. Like, fuck, I'm tired. <laughs>
1: you wimped out, you poser. Well, I was there, I stuck it out.
0: <laughs> I didn't go to bed, but like, I literally was so fucking mm-hmm. ready for bed. So, you know. I was going to ask,
1: too, if you actually saw um, all the bands, but then, uh, like, all the bands were talking about, but I remember uh, that you did say you saw that tour. Like, hmm. yeah, I saw. I didn't know so if you've you actually seen Metallica saw and Megadeth. I assume I've actually seen all three of these bands. Oh, you
0: did see Slayer,
1: and it's funny because I actually saw Slayer before I saw the other bands. Because I saw uh, Slayer, um, like I think like I'm calling you a pussy for wimping out. But I like got a headache
0: a- during Slayer
1: because <laughs> <laughs> I went. Was it the Madison when they
0: played there? Um, um,
1: no, it was. Uh, I
0: remember they played there. One of the
1: first on. concerts I ever saw. It was uh, 2004. And it was Slipknot, Slayer, and I think God Forbid. Mm. And they are playing that East Peoria Event Center that I think oh, was yeah. kind of short-lived. But uh, uh, Bayhan asked me if I wanted to go. And he's like, yeah, would you drive the van too? So um, I drove the van, but it was funny because the X-Van, at the time it was still 99X, I got blocked in. And I think I got a headache during Slayer or something like that. And so I tried to tough it out during Slipknot, but I thought, Shit, I think I'm going to leave a little early, like, you know, and skip the encore. Well, then the van's actually blocked in where I parked it, so I couldn't leave, and I had to sit there and wait for
0: all the traffic to clear out, and I got a headache. So, was Slipknot the headliner on that one?
1: Yeah, Let's I think it was that. like an Ozfest off date.
0: Mm. I saw Something like that. Slipknot, maybe like a year or so before that at the Civic Center. I don't know. I left during their set. I'm not a Slipknot fan. I really like, I'm not a like,
1: a super fan either, but I really like the album they had at the time, that volume three, because it kind of had a little bit more melodic stuff in it. So, yeah, I'm a pussy, because how um, you said earlier, like, Slayer, you are a late bloomer. I'm like, maybe I was a never bloomer. Because I still can't get into Slayer. And I even had this album going yesterday at work, too. And I've got this, like, I'm supposed to sort mail. So I've got, like, um, the dock door open, it's sunny, it's nice, I've got Slayer like cranked up and I'm sorting mail into a hamper and like sorting stuff and all of a sudden some guy from the uh, sunglass lab, he comes in, I totally wasn't expecting anybody because it's just me there and I'm like, oh, oh shit, here's this guy and I'm just like like having Slayer like blasting like as loud as I possibly can, I wonder if I'm going to get talked to tomorrow at work, like Hey, like you had Slayer on, and you didn't have a mask on. Because I didn't have a mask on either. Because I'm just kind of you're there. just down here listening to heavy
0: metal, fucking worshiping Satan. No yeah. fucking mask. Yeah, man. God damn Angel it. Angel of Death. Blah, blah blah blah. Like here's some the double bass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, this really isn't like my favorite Slayer album. Anyhow, like <clears throat> it's one that grew on me over time, but it. I don't know, I like South of Heaven better. Like yeah. as far as like the classic Slayer stuff. Like that's
1: I kind of feel the same way because at favorite. least
0: a few songs that I remember
1: kinda of digging a little bit, like our on that, isn't it like Dead Skin Mask? Yeah. Something else around there. Yeah, too? there's
0: some really good songs on there. On this one I really like. I think my favorite song is Criminally Insane. It's like a two minute song or something. Like it's so short. But it starts off With like a really cool drum groove, you know? And really like Dave Lombardo's fucking playing and like sonically his drums sound great on Rain and Blood. And I think maybe that's why a lot of people revere this album as being so great because it's like the best Slayer's ever been produced. Like there's good songs on it, But the productions really, really captures their sound, I think, the
1: best. Yeah, because I read uh, that Rick Rubin uh, produced it. This was their first one uh, with him, and I think it got delayed or something because Columbia didn't want to release it, so Geffen put it out instead. But yeah, so I kind of get what you're saying. Like, they actually had a big uh, time producer.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it really sounds, like, it sounds better than the songs are. I think the songs on South of Heaven are better, you know? Um, And even... uh, I'm fucking just drawing a blank. (laughs) I want to run over to my record collection right now, and flip through it, because I'm just a fucking idiot and can't think. But... um, What was I going to say? Oh, Criminally Insane, that's what I was talking about. That song, I think, is so cool because it, like, starts off with, like, this cool little drum groove that's kind of different from everything else. Like, it's not so, you know, blast beats and shit all over the place. (laughs) But then it goes into it. Like, it starts Mm -hmm. off with this cool drum groove, and then boom, 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 you know, goes into, like, more of a thrash song. And it's such a funny song because I don't even know if there's a hook until, like, the very end. Like, I swear to God... The line at the end where he's like, I've only just begun to take a fucking life. Like, that's the catchiest part of the whole song. You know? It's like a great lyric, too. I've only just begun to take a fucking life. But there's just the the way he sings that line, it's like, that's the hook. And like, I swear to God, every time I hear that song, it tricks me into thinking that, like, that's gonna be the hook. But it like happens one time, and then the song's (laughs) over like 20 seconds later. So it's like, oh, I guess there's not a chorus. That should have been the chorus. But Seasons of the Abyss. See, I didn't even have to look it up. It's like all I had to do was type Slayer in this thing, and then I instantly was Mm -hmm. like, Seasons of the Abyss is probably, yeah, that and South of Heaven, I think, Mm -hmm. are the two. I like them better than this album. Hmm. Sorry, all you hardcore fans are going to argue that Rain and Blood's better. Fuck you, motherfucker. Hmm. prove how hardcore I am but I really like God Hates Us All that album later too it was really cool and then I like that uh, God They Got One Album uh, can't ever fucking remember how to pronounce it uh, Music Musica Dave or God diab, fuck I have a moment of silence for my fucking here. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> Diab. <laughs> Shit, man. Fuck it. I don't care. I'm walking over here and finding the fucking album.
1: In the meantime, while you're looking, I'll say that um, I remembered now, um, while you were talking, Dave Lombardo, he was uh, the drummer for Suicidal on that, um, on that Megadeth tour. Oh, yeah. And it was cool because all the guys uh, from Suicidal, after their set, they went to the merch table... Uh, to go sign autographs and take pictures, and the buddy I was with, he went over there, but it was too swamped, or something, because everybody wanted to meet Mike, that um, singer. As soon as he came out there, it was just a swarm of people. So he turned to walk away, and I saw Dave Lombardo. He he walked past me, so I grabbed my buddy's like shirt, and I like kind of pulled him back. I thought you like, were gonna hey, say you Dave's right. Dave. There. Oh, no, I just I grabbed, grabbed Dave, Dave and I grabbed my buddy Jason. I'm like, hey,
0: it's Dave. So I took his picture I'm with Dave. So this album, goddammit, I had to... I And I still, I'm looking at it and I still don't even know how to fucking pronounce this. Diab, Diabolus in Musica. However the hell that's pronounced. It looks like it a Rammstein cover. Well, something. this album, you know, I've always really dug it and a lot of people didn't. Like, it's kind of the one where people are like, eh, they kind of fucking we're trying to sound new metal or something like i don't know i've always really dug that i thought that was like the fucking the redheaded stepchild that was really hot wait that's hmm. weird like why would i say that <laughs> redheaded stepchild that was really hot <laughs> well i'm glad that i'm not a well, stepdad fire because red-haired. that would have been a creepy fucking yeah. comment <laughs> uh but you know what i'm saying goddammit i've always really enjoyed that one For being one that, you know, some people dog it and whatnot, but there's good stuff. I like that uh was the covers one with all the punk covers and shit called like Undisputed Attitude or something or
1: I don't know, man. I said I'm a never um a never slayer.
0: Well, I'm just asking you because I feel like my uncertainties yeah. and whatnot, sound less stupid if I'm asking you in the form of a question like you have all the answers, but really, at the end of the day, I'm just sitting here like, fuck, I can't remember yeah. anything, let alone everything. And it's all the coffee. We're all just jacked up. Yeah. All this caffeine and alcohol. I'm just talking to talk. I don't have anything to say. Uh, thank you, David Ellison. I'm done at this point. Well, yeah, speaking of being done at this point, I don't know. I think we have pretty well blasted through everything we... Intended on talking about um, Yeah man
1: know.
0: It's been fun Hell yeah So uh, This episode
1: Fueled by Ellefson Coffee Cup that, Ro- Roast in Peace Man
0: what is that Temporary Purgatory Temporary Purgatory, purgatory. Uh, You gotta do the double does, Everything's got the double It makes. does sound like a, <laughs> Like it could be a Slayer song 18th Street Brewery Or 18th Street Brewery right, right. <laughs> Yeah yeah, it's been a good time. Good beer, good coffee, good music. A whole bunch of nonsense coming out of my mouth, I feel like. But that's what this is all about. So,
1: And we'll talk to you next time on A-Sides. Yep. Uh,
0: see ya.